Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. You're listening to FP Interviews. In-depth conversations with interesting people. Footy Prime, your almost daily footy fix. Very excited for this interview episode today. Very excited to watch the Canadian men's national team in World Cup qualifiers this month. Joining us, someone who our favorite goalkeeper, Craig Forrest, knows very, very well. You know him from his time with the Canadian national team. 84 caps for Canada. He was the first Canadian international to win the Bundesliga. Most recently spent a couple years as Jimmy Brennan's assistant at York United, now just named to Bob Bradley's coaching staff, and he joins us from beautiful California, Paul Stalteri. Paul, welcome to the show, man. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. How are you guys doing? Doing very well. Doing very well. Excited for this and excited to chat about the national team. Even the, the, you know, the biggest Canadian soccer optimist is shocked to see Canada at the top of the oct at this point in this World Cup qualifying campaign. You know these guys so well. You worked with the U-17s. Are you surprised by where this team is at? I wouldn't be. I'm not surprised at all. I'm maybe surprised that they're sitting at the top, but not surprised at how well they're doing. And uh, I probably said before, the. I don't want to say that I knew something was going on or anything like that, but I had said before that this team would would qualify for the World Cup. I thought that they had the right balance, uh, young players that were coming through, young players not just playing in big clubs, but having important roles and big roles in, in, in clubs. And, and, and Craig knows that as well. It's not like you're playing in, uh, for a club but not getting games. These guys are not just getting games. They're actually playing in significant minutes and having big roles and big responsibilities in that club. And in those clubs and being able to take that over and bring that into the into the national team is, is speaks volumes when you're when you're playing in clubs and you're not really playing and you come into the national team and you're trying to get match fitness that way it's almost next to impossible and that's not the case i mean these guys are all playing games regularly for their clubs they've come together at the right moment and they uh they hit the ground running and they're flying right now and hopefully they can continue that leading into these uh, next uh, three games in this win- uh, window it's a strange one in january mm-hmm. don't think that's ever happened before, certainly not when we played. Um, and I don't think anything in, for these guys as well, that's never been the case. So it'll be an interesting one, uh, timing-wise for them, and, and especially the boys coming from MLS uh, as well. That's a big break um, that they've had uh, as well. So that that becomes a factor too for them. What are the things, uh, Paul, that I know that you would you would recognize as well uh, as myself is the, the level of professionalism at the, at the CSA level, certainly on the playing field, the staff, what the staff are. They got uh, John Herbman's got a staff of thousands. We had about four guys, kit guy that was waking you up in the morning and also the goalkeeper coach and all these different things and travel, yeah. and, you know, and coming from 
your career and where you were and where you've been and the professionalism that you must have saw at Werder Bremen and Spurs and Fulham and Borussia Mucci and Gladbach, uh, it is nice to see uh, that that has changed and hopefully uh, forever. No doubt. I mean, uh, look, the way the boys are traveling into the games, the way they're uh, going from uh, uh, venue to venue, they're, you know, it's charter flights that we, you know, unheard of back in the time that we've that we played uh and those are all good things these are all things that needed were needed boys are coming in in the proper way to travel uh the proper class the ability to 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 get some rest on the flights these are all little factors that uh, we always you know uh, probably a lot of funds were, were had a lot to do with it at the time with canada soccer and the csa um but now it's 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 changed they've put that investment into the squad they put that investment into the players uh rightfully so it should be in there for sure every other big country every other uh, country is doing that um and we were always struggling so yeah just in terms of even them traveling between these games they'll be charting traveling on a charter flight which makes things just it's night and day when you're traveling like that composed uh, compared to mm-hmm. a commercial airline or uh if you've got connections and you've got all these different things that you need to deal with all of a sudden it becomes a whole day of travel compared to uh jumping on a flight and and going door to door in one in one flight and not having to worry about everything else that goes along with uh, with a hectic travel day. Do you think that Force would be able to handle all the uh, all the positivity and all the hype around this national team right now? If if you guys were experiencing uh, what this national team has gone through, <laughs> I think he, I think he could still play in goal, man. Look at him; he could probably still put in, put himself in the middle of that net. That's become a theme. We keep, that's come up a few times the last couple of weeks for us. Yeah, I was thinking, you know, Stully, maybe I could uh, be fifth alternate goalkeeper or something for the World Cup. Just I'm looking at who's number hey. five. <laughs> in this day and age, if you've seen who was it the other, who was it yesterday that they said which which African country yesterday they said uh, they play with a player in goal. All three keepers had COVID. Um, Comoros. They played Cameroon Islands. Yeah, against Cameroon yesterday, they had a keeper in net. They had twelve players and a keeper, uh, a player in goal stacks. They lost and they only lost two one. <laughs> So that, they've actually done amazingly well. They won their first international game ever. Only lost two one to Cameroon in, 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 with a keep with a player in goal. Unbelievable! Crazy. I actually have to look at where where, yeah. where they where they were from. I I didn't even know where that country was. I do now. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Put themselves on the map. Well, they're they're a country that benefits actually from a lot of the French players because most of them, I think, ninety nine percent of them are actually born in France, but they have backgrounds yeah, to that country. Possibly, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Stolly, you helped to put Canadian soccer on the map at a time when, you know, uh, Craig and Frank Yallop had gone over before you. Um, but your pathway is super interesting. And, you know, when you see the the variation of pathways and you can tell a little bit about yourself, you're playing for the Lynx and um, a scout from Verde Bremen caught you and, and brought you over there for what you thought was going to be a two week trial, turned into two years with the reserves and eventually a, a Bundesliga champion and Bundesliga winner's medal with, with Werder Bremen there. When you see the variety of pathways that these players have now, the diversity of youth and professional experience that these guys have, do you think that's what's, what makes this team so, so different? Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's completely different than when we grew up. I mean, trying to getting an opportunity overseas is, was so difficult. I mean, when I'd first gone to, to, to Germany 
and you, you say, Brendan, a, a two-week trial, it was more of a, you think it's two weeks, you get there, and then, then you hear the coach say, well, if he does well in the, this session, he can come back for the next one um, tomorrow. Uh, that was with the first team. If not, you go and train with the second team, and then probably your chances are gone. So two-week trials there probably don't really exist. It was more like day-to-day. If you're doing well, you can come back tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the case there, so... But uh, you quickly found that out when you arrived. And uh, yeah, it, but back then, having a Canadian go into a German club and, you know, unheard of. And nowadays, it's, it's actually them probably looking into the Canadian market more and more than, than ever before. Getting calls from, uh, from German clubs and, and looking into more Canadians like, than ever before. And that just shows the success that a lot of these guys uh, are having and, 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 been, uh, and, and the, you know, what they're doing with their clubs and proving themselves uh, at that level on a on a weekly basis over there i think that the perception is change and is changing and that's a massive thing paul because as you said getting trials as a canadian abroad was really really difficult just because of the perception alone let alone how good you oh, yeah. are so so no you have to fight that right if no doubt they're even paying like when you when you actually hear them paying transfers now and you're paying for canadian players Tayshawn Buchanan getting paid, getting bought from a, an, an MLS club. Uh, things like that unheard of 10 years ago, 15 years ago, mm-hmm. five years ago unheard of. Um, and those things are happening. And, uh, you know, look, Jonathan going Jonathan going for 30-odd million euro to to Leo. I mean, th- those kind of numbers are astronomical, even in European standards, let alone for a Canadian to go. I think we still haven't even uh, really come to terms and come to grips and, and understood what 30 million euro transfer fee is for for a player i think we've still taken that for granted in canada i don't think we really uh, quantify what that number means 30 million euro is just a an incredible amount of money to spend on a, on a canadian player and that just shows uh the value of some of these guys and where we are in the in in the world and how the perception like you said craig is is being uh thought about from other european clubs because like we said five years ago six years ago even probably unheard of um, and now, who knows what these guys would go for in, in the current market if they were to be sold, uh, let's say, in this January window or even in the, in the summer. Well, Lille will probably sell Jonathan David for a double. And the teams that are after him, Real Madrid, all the big teams in England seem to, to be interested. Maybe Arsenal are the front runner. Um, that's a player that you know very well. Um, where do you think might be the, the next fit from him? And, and maybe just tell us a little bit about working with him so closely at, uh, at youth level and seeing him develop into the player he's become now. Yeah, Jonathan is an interesting one because we he came in. We had I've, I worked with him since he was when he was fourteen. He came into the program fourteen, and then into the fifteens, and all the way up to the seventeens. Um, so he was a you know a determined a determined guy. He always had his his his. Uh, I, I don't want to use the word stubborn, but he just had his focus, what he wanted to do, and that wasn't to uh, to play in MLS. That wasn't to play in North America. His idea was to get into Europe as quickly as possible. He knew he had to wait till he was eighteen years old. Um, obviously, all the Canadian clubs uh, were after him at the time: Montreal, Vancouver, and Toronto. Um, but he's, you know, he held firm to his uh, to his belief and where his focus was to get to Europe. And uh, as soon as he was eighteen, he was able to do that. Um, just a real good, real good kid. Great, uh, great mindset. 
great focus, really, really smart when he plays, makes incredible runs. Um, his brain is, is, is sharper than most, uh, thinks quicker than a lot of people on the pitch. Uh, and he has the ability to, 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 to score, finish, finish off chances, uh, left foot, right foot, decent with his head. Uh, very, very powerful, underestimated how strong he is, um, how quick he is, and also uh, his, clever, his clever runs on and off the ball. Are, are really really smart and he's one of these guys that I, i'd love to see where he is what he's doing because he's uh he's one of the guys that was a joy to coach uh joy to be around um and you just like the way he conducted himself humble kid i think he's the same kid he was uh five six years ago when he was in the in the program so um you know really really happy for him and great to see how good do you think he could become stolly i mean is he is he? You played in the Premier League. You've seen what it takes to score goals. Uh, you, in fact, scored a goal against um, my old club at Upton Park, I believe. I remember that one. You ran about eighty yeah. yards, and your engine was yeah. uh, at its very best, as yeah, usual. It was a tough finish. It was a tough finish. <laughs> <laughs> well, the fact that you ran eighty yards just for the opportunity yeah. and maybe get the chance well, uh, was pretty interesting. But, but how good could Fair he enough. be? Could he? Could he make that move to? Uh, the Premier Look, League is it, it's different. There's no doubt. I think the hardest league to score as a as a striker as a center forward is in is in the Premiership. I think that's the toughest league to score in. I'd say the next toughest league is the French league. The French league is really really hard to score. Um, and then we're underestimating the fact how many goals has he scored in France. Um, and winning the winning the championship in France is something we talk about again. Like how people, I don't think it's, it's I think still think it's taken for granted for in Canada what that accomplishment was, especially when you're coming up against a club like PSU who have just basically won it every year uh, with the amount of money they had. So to win a championship in France again, I still think we we underestimate or a lot of people, you know, they underestimate what it is to win a championship in in one of those five big European clubs uh, countries and with a club that's not. Bayern, PSG, and nothing to take away from Alfonso, but it's not Bayern, it's not PSG, uh, it's not Man United. It's one of the clubs that no one would have thought they had a chance to win the, the championship, and he's done that. Um, now, going into the premiership, it, it, there's two things. When you're in a, a smaller club, I think, um, in the league, it's even harder to score goals, obviously. You know, that's just a scrap to stay up. A lot of the teams, you know that, Craig. It's a, just a battle every week and, and, and trying to score goals. They don't score that, that many. Um, obviously, completely different if you're playing with the top, uh, one of the top teams, you know, and I don't see him if he's going to England. I would imagine he's not going to one of the top, uh, one of the top clubs or one of the, uh, the ones in the top four or five or six in the, in the league. So which makes, which helps a lot. Uh, it, that'll benefit him. Uh, just the way they play, the number of chances they create compared to if you if you go into um, a club in the lower half of the table, which is just a scrap every week, and it's hard to hard must so hard to score goals for for clubs like that. Um, but you know he's a clever enough guy that I think you know everyone when when he went to Leo, people were like, well, I don't that I don't really understand that. Uh, for this or for that, but if you see now, uh, he's made the right decision. He made the right decision in his mind not to play in the MLS. He made the right decision to go to Belgium uh, at that time. So he's made. He's not a guy that doesn't really, you know. He makes he makes good decisions, and I'm sure the next decision he'll make will be a good one for him. Talk about a club that uh, isn't PSG or Bayern Munich. Uh, when you were at Werder Bremen, 
I mean, Berger Bremen's won four league titles, uh, 65, 88, 1993, and 04 with you, and even the the League Cup or their, their equivalent to the FA Cup as well. It's been a long time. It's been, it was a special time at that club um, because they are not one of the most powerful clubs in Germany. And uh, tell us a little bit about that experience and, and even now what it's like uh, with the fans and the rapport that you have after that massive successful run you had yeah i mean uh bremen was a club that had a lot of success uh for about 14 15 years under Otto Rehagel. if you don't go back too far if you just take that initial period they were probably one of the top clubs uh you know along with obviously Bayern uh for a long period of time in german football and then the for about seven eight years when Otto Rehagel had left uh, the club kind of fell off and changed managers. Uh, this similar case when when a manager has been there for so long, the next one comes in. It, you know, you go through five, six, seven managers within a, that time period uh, over four, five, six seasons, and then finally we got ourselves with a stable coach, Thomas Schaff had taken over, and then the club had just slowly progressed and 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 really put some good pieces in place. Klaus Allis was the uh, sports director at the time. Those two worked really hand in hand and really put together, like I said, slowly a really good good group of players and a good squad and that was just not just us winning it i mean that their 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 success was years after i mean there was a good eight or nine years where uh they were at the top of the league playing you know finishing the top two three four uh playing consistently in the champions league uh so the success that the club had after we had won leading up to when we had won the championship and then after that was huge i mean they just continued to go and then again you might take that sometimes for granted because uh man it's been a struggle for them lately and you know it's 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 sad to see last year they went down the into the second league and hopefully they're in a little bit of a run right now where they're 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 knocking at the door to come right back up which would be nice to see but you see how quickly things can turn around in uh, in football at the, at the top top level but um yeah it was a it was a great period of time and hopefully um the club can soonly soon continue to get back uh, one back into the top flight football because that's the first time they've been down and they've only went down twice in the history of uh, of German football. Uh, the first time they came right back up and hopefully the second time they do again because um, it's a very, you know, it's a sad thing to see when you see one of the clubs that's uh, a mainstay in German football in, in the second division. What is your, uh, what do you think the main differences are from the Bundesliga uh, and the Premier League uh, when you made the move over to Spurs? <sighs> Yeah, at that time, mm, the, no doubt the Premiership was, uh, it had the best league. It was the best league at that time, without a doubt. I mean, people can argue nowadays which one's the best, but at that time, um, in the mid-2000s, there was f- no doubt which which league was the best. They had the best players. They had the, the biggest names, other than maybe, the you know, in Spain, obviously, the two clubs in Spain. But the, the rest of the league, the competition, the daily grind of playing in that league was, like we just touched on earlier, every every match is a real real battle i mean german football was very similar um but when you're playing at the top of the league all the time and you, you or not all the time when you're playing at a good club there's that still some of that difference maybe the physicality is the biggest i'd say the biggest difference is maybe not as physical the referees probably 
let a little bit more go in, in, in English football in the premiership than they did in German football. Uh, you know, you play those extra four games, which people underestimate too, how, you know, that's an extra four games plus an extra cup that you're, that you're in. Um, no break during the, uh, the winter break, um, the winter time, there's no break in England that, that plays a toll as well. So a little bit of things that, that add to the physical nature. And I think that was probably the, the biggest difference along with probably, uh, Take away Bayern Munich um, in Germany uh, and the English football had probably bigger stars, bigger individual stars, no doubt about it. I mean, from from the, the top four or five clubs in the in the premiership had that bigger name player, that extra quality that maybe German football uh, doesn't have, except for probably uh, Bayern Munich or maybe a Borussia Dortmund at, the, uh, at this moment in time. Do you, you've worked under... A number of different managers, and I'll bring up one in particular that we worked under, Holger Osiak, uh, and what he brought to the Canadian national team and our our team uh, with all the struggles that we have. I think that uh, he had that attitude and, uh, and and under a corrupt CONCACAF as well at that time. Uh, he didn't put up with any shit, and that was the first time I think we had a manager like that that actually stood up for us and i think it played a big part in our success uh, at the gold cup in 2000 no yeah no doubt i mean you you just saw his attitude uh if you remember games where we came in and we we grinded a game and then we lose and he'd be yelling you know all in vain and uh, you know that effort is for nothing and and you know some managers in the past might have been saying well we had a good game today guys great effort and uh you you gave us a you gave us our all but uh we felt he was you know wanting no part of that he wanted no part of uh uh everything and he used to say it all the time it's all in vain if i, I remember clearly you know uh, my memory's not bad and he used to say it all the time this is just in vain what you guys just put out there and it's not you know you can't be accepted you can't accept that kind of an effort and and come away with nothing or come away with a a draw or a loss and you could see right away change the mindset of the group and change the mindset of of how we were and, and and go into a gold cup where again if you take CONCACAF now compared to like, let's say, the last World Cup, uh, Gold Cup I was a part of with uh, with Octavio at uh, I think 2017 um, with Canada, it's a completely different uh, CONCACAF. It's a completely different setup than it was when we were there, uh, Craig. It was just uh, it's it's night and day in terms of uh, much more professionalism, much more organized, much better on every every aspect is 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 better. But back then, he you know you, you saw all the different games that were being played, and he like you said, he wanted no part of that, and he he put his foot down and 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 protected us, and we saw that right away from him uh, from the moment he walked in. I know that you played uh, in just about every position except for goalkeeper for the national team. In fact, you played up front a few times, and I know that you. I remember when you missed a chance, and I remember Holger, same sort of thing. Didn't give you any break about not being a striker, but had to go at you for missing the chance. And I remember you saying something on the lines like, "What? The, I'm not even a striker. Like, I, 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 I'm doing you a favor. Like, come on." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was him. You know, he's demanding the best out of uh, of everybody in every moment, and uh, you, you know, you you quickly saw that he's not gonna, you know, he's not gonna give you a, a break, not gonna give you a, uh, an excuse, let's say, as to why something didn't happen, and he expected the best, and uh, and you, you you see that in in guys that have been at the top coaches that have coached in world cups and won a world cup like he did and been around the big name players that he was around and you 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 slowly pick that stuff up and you slowly understand why 
those guys are there and why those guys had the success that they had in their careers. Mm. Stolly, we're up against the clock now. I wish we could keep this conversation going, but I mentioned that this transition that you've made into coaching now, and I just want to know if you could go into a time machine, would Paul the player like Paul the coach? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, I'll be honest. I, I, I all whenever I'm trying to 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 put together things and and think about how I talk to the team and the players, I, I it always in my back of my mind is is how would uh, how would I like to be spoken to or how would you know uh, you know certain players I played with and 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 how would you like to communicate how did how did coaches communicate with them whether it's successful or not successful whether they you know whether what they had to say about how they spoke to that certain coach spoke to them so I try to always have that in the back of my mind when I'm when I'm approaching anybody and, and the way they're speaking to guys and I think so I, you know I I'd like playing with coaches that were very humble and just everyday guys that weren't uh when when things went well for us they weren't the first guys in the camera they were the last guys when things weren't going well uh they were the first guys taking the brunt and, and taking the initiative and, and and taking that pressure off the team so no I, I i would like to think so i try to uh just be straight up and honest with players and uh, that's all you can really do whether they like what you want to say or not like what you want to say, but I think that's usually the approach I try to take uh, with anyone that I've ever worked with. Yeah, because to be fair, you were a little bit of a grumpy player, so you probably weren't the best. <laughs> you, you weren't probably the best uh, player to manage for some of those guys. Not grumpy, uh, Craig. Honest. I was honest. Remember, I just was honest. <laughs> just told you. Just that leads me to this. Brendan has to jump. He's got a meeting with CBC, but I need to ask you this question then: If there was a former teammate that you would hate to coach who would it have been craig you name who uh, would you hate uh, to coach because there's always someone that you went love him as a player the quickest one will come to mind pesh would be the grumpiest one you do i want to coach no doubt no so what yeah. do you think craig pesh would be the biggest moaner he's a bigger moaner than i am let's face it come on yeah no, I'll give you that one, Stolly. Definitely. Yeah. Pesci was yeah. definitely one of those guys. Yeah. We're gonna email Pesci this interview then. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And he's gonna say he's yeah. gonna say Paul was the uh be the worst person yeah. to coach. Oh, he'll he'll say the same thing back at me, no doubt. I remember ro- rooming with him in Japan and the, remember the beds were so bloody small, right? And I was closest yeah. to the bathroom. My my feet were hanging off the bed right to the wall. So he he had to get actually literally jump over me to get to the bathroom. And everything <laughs> was, and everything was fine for him being five foot four or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but quickly, Stolly, before we go, I wanted to ask you about you know the Toronto FC situation. You did have a relationship with Michael Bradley at Borussia, uh, correct? Yep. Yeah, yeah, we played together. Yeah, yeah. No, Michael. Uh, when I signed for Glockba, it was a uh, half. It was in yeah in the January window. So uh, you know, uh, Harry Redknapp had just taken over. Uh, as you know, uh, you know, Sachs, You played under him. He, Harry took over, and it was a shame they probably didn't take over a little earlier because we he actually liked me and we got along well and and things. But uh, things were kind of going not the greatest there at the at the moment, and uh, the decision was probably made uh, before Harry even got there 
um, where I was going to go and maybe in the January window leave. So it was a bit of a shame that he maybe didn't come in a bit earlier because that would have been uh, a great experience maybe to play for him for a little bit longer than than I did. But in January of that of that year, I think 2009, if I'm not mistaken, um, I moved to, to Gladbach. Michael Bradley was already uh, at the club. He had gotten there. He arrived uh, that season. Um, they had just gone up from, from the second division. Uh, Rob Friend was already there, another Canadian. Uh, that was there as well, and he was there with them and brought them brought them up with the, from the second division. So, um, yeah, we had a couple of North Americans there uh, at the time. Both uh, Rob is a little bit younger than I am. Michael's uh, ten years, I think. Uh, I think he's an eighty-seven, ten years younger than I am um, at the time. So. But uh, right away, we had a good relationship with Michael. I mean, you could see from the first moment I'd met him, you know, not really at uh, probably 21 at the time or something, uh, if I'm guessing right. Uh, not really a 21, 22-year-old with his mind. He really focused, really determined uh, individual, easy to, you know, could have a good conversations, good footballing conversations with them. So we had a, we had a good relationship. Obviously, you know what it is when you're in a country, a foreign country, uh, you tend to, you know, speak to the, probably the, 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 the English guys, maybe a little bit more just in, in terms of a comfort level. Um, so Rob and Michael, we, we were quite close, uh, for those, those times in Gladbach and, uh, Michael, I got to know really, really well at the time and, and playing with him. So, um, yeah, he, and obviously we kept in touch throughout the time that he's been in Toronto. Mm-hmm. I have to say, uh, Stolle, that with all your experience and what I see in Canada with the, almost a brain drain uh, of some of our greatest footballing brains uh, working in the United States, uh, Pat Onstad, Frank Yallop, Mark Watson, just to mention a, a few off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's great to see that, you, you, that somebody with that knowledge and uh, experience in Canada is being used to their best of their ability. And it's a, it's a shame it hasn't happened sooner uh, and more often. Um, but it's great to see that you're involved with Toronto FC. And uh, Bob Bradley's obviously an amazing coach with an incredible experience. And we'd love to have him on one day, too, and talk about his, uh, his career. But way to go, Stolly. Uh, you know I'm a massive fan of yours, and uh, I wish you all the very best. Craig, thanks very much. Appreciate the kind words. And uh, let's hope that uh, we can, uh, you know, have a, have a good season, a good successful season here. I'm looking forward to it. Um, mm-hmm. Like you said, Bob's, uh, Bob's been really, really great to work with early. It's been early. We have only been, you know, a weekend and stuff. But, yeah, you can just see right away his level of professionalism, his level of experience, and his level of, of quality in, 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 like I usually say, say it's the little fine details that that dis, that determine where where people are and their their maybe their knowledge of the game and he can see the little fine details right away you can see these little things and uh yeah it's been great so far so i'm looking forward to to the season thanks for the kind words i appreciate it and hopefully we can hit the ground running and do something uh do something special for the people in toronto that'd be great paul and paul just thanks a lot for jumping on with us uh when you get back into toronto we'll have you in the podcast tent and then we can do this face to face. guys. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh no, it, it might be minus twenty. <laughs> yeah, anytime. I won't. T- I won't tell you. The, I won't tell you the, how the weather is today yet. I won't tell you that here. <laughs> On behalf of Craig, Brendan, myself, Wanger, and Footy Prime, thanks a lot, Paul. Great seeing you. Anytime, guys. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.